Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Well, hello there. Welcome to the Oakshade Podcast, Dan Fitness Man. How y'all doing? It's August. Can you believe it? This is crazy, man. Summer for me and maybe you, it's winding down. And really, it's almost kind of crunch time again where we gotta do this whole thing again where we go and try to fill the freezer. We go chase some adventure and some solitude and get out in the mountains and kind of test ourselves, see what we're made of. Um, push our limits, have no regrets, and uh, make some memories, and hopefully do it with some like-minded, trustworthy peers. I love hunting season. I love the fall, and daylight is starting to dwindle a little bit, getting a little bit cooler at night. No, it's not. It's August. It's hot. Hot as heck. And uh, for me, uh, antelope season's kicking off here real soon, and I've already done some scouting, and uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting an antelope. Those things are absolutely crazy. They're predictably unpredictable, and I love chasing them with uh, stick and string. I, I really just I actually have two antelope tags this year. I don't know if I'll get over to Montana, but I'm definitely going to start in Idaho. Try to get two antelope. I love antelope meat. Uh, for me, a lot of people don't like it because it's sagey, and that's awesome. So for those that don't like it, just keep on keeping. Um, I'll take as many antelopes as I can. Uh, pronghorn are just a really cool animal. Uh, today's podcast, we are actually going to go behind the scenes of our YouTube channel a little bit. Uh, we're bringing on Tim Connor. He's a good buddy of mine, and he's kind of the producer of the Elk Shape YouTube channel. So he's that's kind of a newer role. He came in the first of the year and just uh, we sat down and kind of created a, an agreement 
to where he would be compensated to help me elevate the YouTube channel. Something that I've had for, well, man, I started a YouTube channel, I think in 2000, gosh, seven or eight, and it was called Dan the Fitness Man. That was the name of the channel, and I wish I hadn't deleted that channel because I was, I literally was one of the first ones out there and I had some videos with ridiculous views, but I ended up deleting it and starting a Train to Hunt YouTube channel. Obviously, I sold my shares of that company to my partner in 2013, and then I started the Elk Shape YouTube channel later in the year, and fast forward to 2019, Right uh, right at the end of 2019, Tim came in and I think we were at 8,000 subscribers and I would put out content consistently, but it was just, you know, kind of just thrown together blue collar stuff, nothing super polished. And he was like, hey, I want to help you tell better stories. And so we brought him in. And since then, you know, we've more than doubled the YouTube channel. And it's been actually really cool to build just another platform and make it pretty robust and just be consistent. So right now we're, we drop about two videos a week, usually on Monday morning and Thursday afternoons. And we try to just show our journey um, and show the elk shape lifestyle. And a lot of it's archery content because that's what the people want, give them what they want. So uh, we're gonna talk with Tim today and go behind the scenes of our YouTube channel, get to know his elk hunting learning curve. He came on the podcast once before and he hadn't arrowed a bull yet. And since uh, he's been hanging around me and probably adapting to my lifestyle, which is 365 elk, he's since arrowed his first archery elk. He's got elk tags for this year. He's just a really solid dude. And um, dude, I really appreciate all that he does for the Elk Shape YouTube channel. So he's very talented when it comes to capturing, filming, producing, even editing, he's just, he's better than me and you should hang out with people that are better than you. That's how you get better. So this podcast is brought to you by Vortex Optics out of Wisconsin. Uh, we just did an elk shape camp there not too long ago. I love Wisconsin. That was my second time visiting that state. Vortex is amazing company for elk shape brand because they help us give away cool stuff. Um, they keep us pretty well hooked up on awesome vinyl spotters and rangefinders. Uh, their apparel line is insane. Um, I wear a ton of Vortex apparel since they've kind of stepped their game up and I invite you to check out their stuff. And if you like it, use the discount code ELKSHAPE to save 20% off. Another discount code that I like to bring up and I know it gets used a ton. I should probably figure out a way to get a commission on this, but um, all kidding aside, blackovis.com sells a lot of different high-end backcountry hunting gear. And if you use discount code ELKSHAPE, you can save 20% off your purchase. If you are buying Sicka gear from blackovis.com, you actually need to pick up the phone, call them, and tell them you're an ELKSHAPE podcast listener, and they'll inform you on what kind of hookup you get there. Wilderness Athlete has these awesome energy and focus packets and Hydrate Recover trail packs. Love Wilderness Athlete. I started out with them in 2006, and... Then I walked away from them and went to Mountain Ops for I think a year and a half or two. But I came back to Wilderness Athens, came back to my roots. It's just a better fit for elk shape, do it yourself, blue collar style. And uh, they actually have these new little trail protein bars. And I think you guys should check those out. They're delicious. And I'll be using those on my hunts. If you want to check them out, go to their website, use the discount code ELKSHAPE30 and you get 30% off. Tell your friends. Another awesome hookup from for just our listeners and again I don't get a commission is climate 
That's K-L-Y-M-I-T.com. Use a discount code ELKSHAPE20. You get 20% off their sleep systems. So that's tents, pads, bags, pillows, all that kind of stuff, which is awesome. And then uh, this year we gave away the Matthews VXR to one lucky elk shape camper, and we put that VXR in a Lakewood bow case. And if you want to get the double bow case or any bow case, use a discount code ELKSHAPE2020, save 10% off. Uh, at the ELKSHAPE website, we have the AAE Max Veins, and we have the 21 Days to Elk Shape, which is highly appropriate this time of year. It's a three-week program to ramp you up, with workouts and shooting drills, under duress drills, to get you just super doped, ready for season. Check that out, super affordable. You download the PDF, it's yours to keep, and it's video driven, of course, so you can basically be dialed all the way throughout, which is awesome. Um, this time of year, it's just, a you know, for me, it's a couple broadhead shots a day, and um, we pull the arrow after every shot so we don't break arrows. I've lost quite a few arrows this year. seems like I always start out with about two dozen and by season I'm down to usually 18 and uh, I don't know. I just either break arrows or lose them or you know all that kind of stuff. So I'm using Easton match grade axis 340 spine and then I got a Grim Reaper broadhead. It's a micro Hades three blade and then on the back end I got those uh, elk shape AAE max stealth veins. I do a helical to the left. It's a pretty aggressive helical but that's what's spitting the best out of my bxr so i'm super stoked on that um, let's get into the podcast with tim connor and when we're done we will do a little closeout and pump you up for elk season let's go okay guys we are recording live today we are doing a little podcast in person um my guest has been on this podcast once before and it's kind of funny because when i had him on the podcast I didn't know that we would end up being really good buds and spend a lot of time together. So uh, this guy is the main man who helps me with the Elk Shape YouTube channel. If he had a title, it would be manager of Dan's ADD as well as producer of the Elk Shape YouTube channel. Tim Connor, what's up? Not much, man. Glad to be on here. I am sitting here. My dog's just soaking up some uh, scratches and some loving some love ruby sue looks like a poodle because you got a haircut but uh you have dogs what kind of dogs do you have i have two doodles man i got them with the ambition that they would be just upland bird hunting son of a guns that didn't shed and they don't shed and but they're not they're just okay on the upland bird thing yeah so ruby doesn't find sheds she doesn't <laughs> shed and she doesn't do upland bird hunting but she can see mice from a long ways away at night and just go sprint after and kill them. And then she tries to eat them and I try to make sure she doesn't. So And she keeps the household super safe. Oh yeah, she's much a barker, but uh, enough about our dogs. I do love dogs and I'm a dog person. I'm not a cat person for the record. So Same. just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that. Um, so Tim, I, uh, you came on the podcast a couple years ago. You were like, hit me up actually. And we're like, hey, you you should do a podcast with me. I do. And usually when you do that, by the way, if you elect yourself to be on my podcast, I usually disqualify <laughs> you immediately, but you had a really good pitch. You were like, I grew up in Michigan. I've I'm on the elk hunting learning curve. My dad and I, and this buddy went out, we've had some success. We've had some failures. I would love to go through it. And I was like, absolutely. That's all about the elk hunting learning curve. Let's do it. Yeah, man. At that time, your podcast was just growing and I was listening to it. I was trying to soak up all the information I could. And it's actually like every time you're like, hey, I'm just trying to help people with the elk learning curve. And that's exactly what we were in. 
and I thought it was just a really good story. It was super fun. First bugle I ever ripped off, I got an answer. I thought it was fake. It wasn't fake. It ended up being a massive bull that we chased all week long, and he schooled me up. I wish I had some more skills in my tool belt, but uh, yeah, you live and you learn. Yeah, and then fast forward to now, like, so after that podcast, we stayed in touch. Uh, we started working out together at the gym. Yeah, you invited me to come work out. I think at the time you were probably trying to sell me a membership and hustle your business, but you wanted to work out and we, we just started working out together and, and helped each other create some content. We used to do, uh, we used to just have the cameras firing at the gym and help each other kind of grow doing that kind of thing. And we just started kind of pitching you ideas like, Hey Dan, I think this would be really cool on your YouTube channel. Hey Dan, I think this would be really awesome. And you're like, well, and you're just like, well, let's do it. Let's make it work. It's kind of funny because I always say there are people that are doers and there are people that aren't. And you're definitely a doer. And you're always like, okay, let's do it. And we just rolled with it and we made some stuff. And it's still stuff I'm super proud of. It never hit on YouTube, but I think that it was awesome. And we made a bear hunt. We made September, which is still one of my favorite videos that we poured a lot of time and energy into, which is basically about all the feels that September will give you. And we just ran with it from there. Yeah. So you're the idea, man. Like you are an like a nonstop fountain of ideas. And I love that about you. I mean, good or bad, you're always pitching ideas and that's what it takes to kind of grow our YouTube channel, which we're going to talk about because I know other people want to grow their reaches in YouTube channels. We got to talk about that. More and more people want to film their stuff and it's very cool. Like I like it. I think if you look back on a hunt, you get to reflect on stuff. It's cool saving that memory. Anyway, it's cool banking that memory and you can look back and reflect on your hunt. And that's one of my favorite things about making videos is just you're storing a a memory for later. The thing that, uh, that I like about your style versus others is like when you first started talking to me, you're like, Hey man, I'm, I'm kind of really into filming and getting started and I'm just getting the, you know, first off, I didn't know you had a Sony. I had a Sony. And I was kind of like, oh, cool, let's be friends. Like, we just became best friends. You have a Sony Alpha, I have a Sony Alpha. And then I immediately noticed that you were way more technical on yours, on your settings, and and uh, really particular on, like, color profile and shutter speed and stuff that I just had not paid attention to. Uh, so I knew you, you, you came to the table with more a well-rounded approach to filming and kind of an eye for production. And, and then it was really evident when we would take photos at the gym and I'd use some of your content that you snapped and it was like, wow, this is pretty polished. So let's definitely cover that a little as far as how did you geek out or learn? Like I, you didn't go to, to a photography school. People think you need to go to a photography school or a master class. Like how did you, I mean, it's in your DNA. Your sister is a professional photographer. How did you get to where you're at? Man, I learned about myself a long time ago that I learned best by doing. People have different learning styles. I learned best by doing. So I just kind of hopped in. I bought the camera originally for my business. I wanted to produce high-quality content for my business. And it just quickly snowballed into a passion. And I just spent a lot of time hitting the interwebs like YouTube, reading stuff. And I don't know, maybe I had some really good influences from that, but I, uh, (laughs) I got a camera on me and I lost my train of thought. Um, I hit the internet hard and just did a lot of reading, did a lot of doing. I think when I first approached you, I was like, Hey Dan, I'm pretty new to this and I just want to get reps under my belt. Like I knew I wasn't skilled, but I wanted to be skilled. 
So I kind of offered that up and I was like, hey, you make stuff, I make stuff, let's make stuff. And I learned a lot through doing. It takes a lot of repetitions to figure out your style. And I think that always evolves. But man, it's taken me a lot of reps to figure out how I like my photos to look, how I want my videos to look, what kind of shots I like with the video, what kind of lenses I like. That stuff takes a lot of repetition, but you just start by doing and, and you learn and you check and adjust as you go. And you blow out some footage here and there and you blow out some audio here and there. But as long as you're learning and, and checking and adjusting and evaluating your stuff, eventually you figure out a style and, and you work towards that. What would you say your style is? And more importantly than that, uh, it's probably evolving. What do you have an appetite for as a consumer of, say, YouTube videos and digital productions? Like what kind of whets your appetite in that film? Man, I have some funny people I follow, and I follow them for a lot of different reasons. But I appreciate production value, so I appreciate I appreciate good lighting, I appreciate good framing, I appreciate those things. And then I just, I think it would almost be better if you describe my style, but I think it is very much, in, on our channel, I focus a lot on our sound and our story. Visuals I'm super into as well, but I think that those were the biggest needs and that's kind of where my focus has been on creating really dope audio and really awesome stories and just developing that and getting to know our audience. So that's been our YouTube thing. But if it was just my personal style, man, I like good sounds. I like good stories. I just like things that you can relate to. And I think that's why part of us works too is like the public land blue collar thing. I align with that and I think I'll enjoy the hustle. I enjoy all that stuff. But if I'm trying to tell a story, if I'm making something on my own, I like B-roll. I like dope B-roll. I think it's probably been overdone in a couple of our early productions. I like playing with, uh, I like playing with the speed a little bit. I like editing. I think editing is a little bit like magic. Like you can make your own smoke show. And I think it's always cool when somebody does that and you're like, how did they do that? And Fast forward six months ago, I would watch stuff and I didn't know how they did that. And most stuff makes sense now, but still, I mean, I got appreciation for people that can do that and uh, it's fun. Yeah. So there's a lot that you said there, but to condense it down for people listening is Tim's absolutely right. If you want to up your game, sound is everything and sound it, can't, is everything, it cannot man. be blown out, wind blowing. And then even the sound effects... Even the bird noises that you can see in like our bear video, like those aren't real, but they sound so real. That's a giveaway behind the scenes. There's just like the texture to the video kind of revolves around sound. We can get a video shot at anything, but you can't really duplicate good quality sound. So sound and then having all the toys is not important, but framing and getting the right light and being picky on when you choose to film your shots is super important. Um, but you didn't mention like, this is all self taught. Like you didn't go to school. So people are going to be like, well, where can I get these resources? And I know you don't have your phone in front of you, but like, do you know the names of some channels that have really elevated your editing game, your filming game? Like where are you finding this information and studying? Yeah, I mean, it's generic to say YouTube, but a lot of it was YouTube. I mean, there's so there's this really, this Canadian that's got a monster following named Peter McKinnon. He's got like almost 5 million followers now. He's like an artist and he's funny and good in front of a camera and he's really dope with his sound. 
So I think a lot of my early stuff revolved around just learning from him, watching his stuff and how it moved. I've found different editing stuff, but it's just been all across the board. I've learned my editing, but I've really learned a lot of editing by doing very much by doing. And then when something comes up, you just look up the answer. The reason why it works or why it is working right now with you and I is like, we have to kind of back up. You were an elk hunter before I met you. You were doing CrossFit before I met you. You had purchased a DSLR and were geeky. You were an entrepreneur. You were self-employed. You were self-driven. So all that I learned immediately and I was like, aha, this guy, like I didn't think we would be doing some business together, but it it has grown into this um, and we have more than doubled our YouTube channel. And I did say ours because I brought Tim in as a producer, like I wanted him to, to be able to be a benefactor of the all the hard work that he's put into the channel as well and and I didn't care that I started out with like 8,000 subs it those subs came over like seven years it was a super slow growth but I was consistent at putting out stuff it just wasn't that good until Tim came along that was your background I just kind of brought up let's touch on the first one elk hunting dude you arrowed your first public land archery bull last season solo in the backcountry, in the actual wilderness. Tell us about that. Yeah, man, such an epic, epic hunt. So when you go into draw New Mexico, if you've never done it, you basically kind of, number one should be your home run. Number two and three should be maybe things you hope you draw. Or maybe number one has a high percentage if you really badly want to hunt New Mexico. But I drew my number one unit. I couldn't believe it when I hopped on there and it was green, meaning that I had drew. And that started the wheels turning. So I went to New Mexico, basically fast forward. Here's the Cliff Notes version. Had a buddy with me for the first five days. We chased monster bulls. Almost could have shot a 370 bull on day one and had opportunities every day. Bulls were screaming. But it came down to the end. And I basically was hunting this burn area where I was having a really hard time getting in tight. And I kept getting burned by old mature elk and it was hard to kill him so i built a relationship a little bit with this guide earlier in the trip and he basically said hey man go up to the wilderness like bulls are easier to call up there and i that made sense to me there was more timber it was thicker so i went into the wilderness and it was basically bulls on parade and fast forward to my final day i called in like four or five bulls from this setup all nice nice 300 ish inch animals did not connect on any of them. It was probably a bad spot to set up and call. But finally, a raghorn, I was able to stop him after he'd kind of spooked. It wasn't an ideal setup. And shot this raghorn, and he went a couple hundred yards. And yeah, that was four and a half miles into the wilderness. And it was just a really special experience. New Mexico was an awesome state. The people were very good to me while I was down there being solo. And it was very rewarding to get it done that way. What is the, I guess, the pros and cons of hunting solo hint? And then I wanted to go back to the opening, like hunting burns, because they are super attractive. They do hold elk. The feed is awesome, but they are so hard to get in archery tight in burns. That's why I never go all the way into burns. I only hunt the actual perimeters of burns just because 
it's pretty worthless. Elk are actually a very visual animal. They liked visual perspicuity. They like to like see what's calling. I would say only during the rut, elk actually rely more on their eyesight than their smell initially, especially charged up bulls. But like, let's go over the nuances of hunting burns. The fact that you pivoted, which is huge. Some people wouldn't leave elk to go find elk. You did, and it paid off. And then lastly, pros and cons on solo elk hunting. Yeah, I had just gotten burned in this burn so many times getting to 60 to 100 yards. It felt like a Hail Mary at the end, honestly, but I knew there wasn't any other way. And honestly, I was so glad I did. Got to experience new countries, see different things, called plenty of bulls in. And I think I probably got like five to 10 years of elk hunting experience in one season. There was probably 50 bulls I interacted with in seven days. And I probably shot, ended up shooting the smallest one, but it didn't matter. It was the last day. It was awesome. It was elk meat. And it was so special, honestly. It was so special. Um, hunting solo, man, pros and cons, pros. You move and you do what you want, when you want. I think legitimately it's got to be harder to call a bull in solo. I'm not an expert, but I imagine if I had you know, a U behind me, 50 to 75 yards, and I could play that bull to where he was going to set up. I think that that would be a much simpler way to call in a bull. But I think you learn as you go and you learn where to set up and where to make that final call. The other con is like, it, it takes a lot of mental fortitude. Like that's something I struggled with. It's tough. I mean, I'm 1500 miles away from home. I don't have any resources nearby. I'm in the wilderness. And when I was up in the wilderness, I was up there by myself. And there was this old bull that would like walk around screaming at night. And he had that throat that was all burnt out. And like, I knew it was a bull, but in the back of my head, it's like, is that a Sasquatch? You know, it's like, oh, and um, that's a bull with too many ruts under his belt. Yeah. The the solo stuff can kind of eat you alive at night when you're by yourself. The things that I've helped mitigate like loneliness or really for me now as a dad is like uh, missing my family. I miss my wife, but I'm used to leaving her honestly during September. Uh, I'm not used to leaving these two little ones that if you blink, they grow up super fast. And so that really hurts. I've activated the Garmin Unlimited account so I can send out in reach to them and check in every day this year. I'm going to do that. That that helps, but there's no matter what you do, there's a degree of like loneliness or uh, fear or doubt or I mean a lot of like a lot of solo hunts, anything you've ever done wrong in your life, you will have thought about it. Like there's some weird like you don't have any distractions. You're solely hunting and when the hunting's slow, you actually might be doing some pretty deep reflection, if you know what I mean. Did that happen for you? Yeah, I think so. I actually listened to a guy on the Joe Rogan podcast, that one alone, and he brought that up. And I didn't think about it, but he basically said they were talking about how to train to be alone. Okay. And that was his thing. He won alone. Guy was from North Idaho, which was super cool. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's a podcast you should listen to. Will do. But he's just an expert on being alone, traveling alone. I was been nomadic and he's like... You know, you got to make sure your relationships are in check. You you need to have your skeletons out of your closet because anything that you have now is going to come out tenfold in the wilderness when you're by yourself. And the thing he said, too, that made a lot of sense was like, if your relationships are solid, you can leave for a year, you can come back. Those relationships will still be solid. 
he was like long time. He would leave home for a long time. But it, it makes sense. You know, when I go home, when I see my friends, we're still best buds. We're not together all the time. But those things are important, you know. And I don't have a lot of skeletons in my closet, to be honest. Not to sound like righteous or anything. But I just, uh, I don't have like a lot of regrets or bad things I've done. And I think the things that I have done, I've kind of made my peace with and done my thing. But I could certainly see how that could be a big deal. And uh, one thing that helped too was I would just be so tired during the day. You know, you work your butt off all day. You eat a big meal. You fall asleep. It's nighttime. It's time to wake up and do it again. So that was kind of the program. But definitely nighttime was my least favorite. And, you know, your steps just matter more when you're out there by yourself. So you're more cognizant of I'm walking downhill. You know, I don't want to break my ankle. I don't. You just you pay more attention. But I think that also puts you more in tune with what you're doing. So I've grown an appetite for solo hunting. And it was extremely uncomfortable at first, for sure. It was not something I was into. I tried to solo hunt North Idaho a little bit, like my first year elk hunting, and it just was not fun. But every year I gain more and more momentum, and I'm excited to uh, to kind of solo hunt this year for elk. Yeah, so let's compare and contrast what you've known, which is North Idaho. It, I talk about it a lot because I'm rooted in North Idaho elk hunting, and this is the 2020 season I'm not hunting in North Idaho. And to be honest with me, I, I have a love-hate relationship with the brush. It's really hard hunting. It's very high pressure. There's a lot of other predators. There's a lot of access. It's hard to get away from people. And the elk are super educated. So it's very daunting. But damn it, I love that challenge. And it's kind of like my home turf. Not going to experience it this year. I'm not going to New Mexico. I wish I was. Uh, but compare and contrast that learning curve for you stepping foot into much more open country with elk that are probably a lot more vocal, less hunting pressure. Cause there's less, there's limited tags converse with North Idaho, which we both love and hate. Yeah. I've got a hate, hate relationship with the brush. I was telling some of our friends this the other day that like, it just fires me up walking through there and getting swatted in the face all the time. It's hard on your gear. You lose oh, things. Oh God, it's so hard on your gear. RIP. Your strings to, are done. RIP to so many things I've lost. Bugle tubes, whatever. How many uh, things have you lost just off the top of your head in the brush? Five, six, a couple of them of value. And GPS. Uh, I've lost GPS. Several bino, uh, several pieces of binos. Uh, to the point I don't carry binos anymore when I hunt the brush country. Yeah. Bugle tubes on bugle tubes. So I've even lost tubes. a quiver. Don't ask me how, but I've <laughs> lost a quiver. And then the strings, do they just destroy your strings. Arrows. Yeah, it's unreal. Um, so when you stepped into New Mexico as a non-resident, somebody who hasn't punched an elk tag, an archery elk tag yet, and you step into that country, were you overwhelmed? Were you excited? What did you? What was your vibe? And how did you quickly adapt to that terrain? I was excited. I was really excited. It was just, it's an adventure. I love adventure. And rolling into New Mexico was really special. I've never spent any time in the Southwest looking at the big buttes and the red crusted, crusted like plateaus and stuff. Just very, very cool. And I got into the wilderness and the, probably the only thing I'm good at elk hunting is finding elk on the internet. So I had picked out two spots and this was going to be like my pre-scouting area. I went down there two days early and I almost wish I didn't go down there two days early because the first day I went out scouting and I located 27 bulls 
27 bulls. 27 bulls in an afternoon from the road systems. And I stopped and talked to these two locals. And this is what really like kind of like a deep exhale. Like I stopped and talked to two locals who had a tag and they're like, yeah, hunting's really good. Check out this bull. My buddy killed last year, 375 bull. Like we would recommend cow calling in here. It just seems to work better. And on their way out, and then, and then we kind of part away, shook hands, like, oh, have a blessed hunt. And I was like, have a blessed hunt. That's like the nicest thing to say to somebody. And uh, especially an out-of-stater. Like, I'm one of like five out-of-staters that had a tag there or something. And I was like, man, you people are really cool. And just beyond that, I mean, being down there solo, it was like nice to have some kind of support from the people I met and saw. And just hustled from there to, to find elk I could get on. Finding them was one thing. Getting in tight was another. Yeah, I've heard several people in the Southwest, and one of my best friends lives in New Mexico. Shout out to my boy, Jason Barkmeyer. And the cow call thing is a real thing. Like, yeah, you can locate with bugle tubes, but these bulls aren't as confrontational. These aren't timber bulls that rake a lot and posture. And they, I mean, it's a higher bull to cow ratio, but uh, they like they get pretty out of their minds over a lady. They like the loving. They like the loving. So... Uh, this is my segue to fitness. Uh, I nicknamed you Tupac and not (laughs) Tupac Shakur, but, um, so Tim and I work out together. Tim is 70 or 80 pounds heavier than I am and not in a bad way. Yeah. We were joking with your wife on the way and we are of opposite body styles. A hundred percent. You're taller. I'm shorter. I'm leaner. You're not as lean, but you're not chubby. You're just a big boy. You look like you could be a linebacker or potentially even in high school, a defensive tackle. But uh, you're built for stout. You're built for war. We've uh, done workouts together. Your strengths do not match my strengths and vice versa. So to give you guys an example, the longer the workout, the better a chance I have of whipping Tim's ass. But if it's a short, bursty, anaerobic power output workout i don't even have a chance like and tim will program those from time to time when he needs a confidence boost and he gets it because uh you're a powerful dude especially on the salt bike moving heavy d balls so i call you tupac because you killed your bull in the wilderness so you had your entire camp and then you also took two trips to get your elk out and that included one of those trips had your entire camp on so if you're hunting with a buddy and you guys get an elk out in one trip each, that I mean, that's a painful pack out. And if it's in a wilderness, it's going to be a longer painful pack out to the truck. So, dude, what would you attribute to your ability to take your entire camp out and half the elk, go back and get the rest of the elk, including the headgear? Back to your truck in two trips. This is ridiculous. I almost don't believe you, but I do because I've worked out with you. Yeah, so I should preface it by saying I definitely didn't shoot the biggest bull in the unit. It wasn't one of those big old mature, heavy, nasty bulls. He was a he was a raghorn. But I did do it in two trips, and I would attribute it all to CrossFit-style training, like what we do. I think the general preparedness it gets you is the most well-rounded. If I could give advice to a younger version of myself, it would be to prioritize good movement versus heavy loads, especially when you're learning. Because I developed a little bit of a, not, it wasn't long-term, but a little bit of a shoulder injury. And that was just from poor movement patterns. But what I'm trying to say is CrossFit, in its foundation, as its platform, gives just the best well-rounded general preparedness, in my opinion, and definitely for myself, that I found. 
you'll never win CrossFit. There's always somebody out here who's doing things harder, doing things more, putting out better times. And the idea of the whole training is like, if you're really bad at something, that's where you should allocate your time, which I totally agree with it. You're bad at gymnastics, do gymnastics. You have a weak core, spend your time there. And when I first came to CrossFit, dude, you would have laughed so hard. You never met me back then, but I couldn't do a handstand. I couldn't even kick up against the wall. Right. I couldn't even Very think common. about doing an overhead squat. Right. It was just hell on my shoulders, hell on my hips, hell on my ankles. To even think about putting a PVC pipe over my head and squatting it, no chance. But now it's one of my strongest movements. And I really think that CrossFit gave me the – or CrossFit-style training. We kind of do our own hybrid version of it. But yeah. gave me the platform to say, hey, overhead squatting is a movement that humans should be capable of. Let's work towards having ranges of motion in those joints that we can do. Yes. I, I think that when we first started training together, and correct me if I'm wrong, probably six months into training together, and it's really just exercising, but we have a why. We're training for elk hunting. That's always like – the cool thing is that's always our dividend. Like I'm, I'm sorry. That's always our common denominator is what are we training for? Oh, that's right. We want to kill more elk. That's what we like to do. You really had to work through a shoulder injury that you had when we started training. It wasn't that you got it while training with me, uh, and you had to nurse that thing. And I got to watch you overcome a pretty serious shoulder injury through what I would call consistency, due diligence, discipline, attention to detail. Talk us through what you did and how you did it because bow hunters across the nation know that shoulders are susceptible and you are proof that you can bulletproof them from an injury. You definitely can. It started by meeting a really good chiropractor through my business and I could tell he was well-informed and he wasn't just into back stuff. He was into human movement and stuff like that. So he basically, I went to see him and he's like, Hey, your scapula is out of alignment with your shoulder socket. And because of that, your muscles have weakened around it and your shoulders trying to heal itself. And he asked me, I think to do this and I couldn't do that. Oh, you, so basically Tim crossed his arm or crossed one arm and just basically elevated his elbow in the air, like abduction and basically in an internal rotation position for those that care and couldn't do that. And that's not good, man. It wasn't good. But he was like, you can you can heal this. You can get it into a better position. Here, gave me some education, gave me some exercises. And it was basically just being consistent with those exercises and being very, very mindful when we program things that I didn't try to over push it. I didn't try to muscle my way through it. Because we program things like overhead squats, shoulder to overhead, pressing muscle-ups of all sorts, bar, ring, pull-ups, kipping. And guess what? All Tim did was just scaled the workout or modified the piece to suit his needs. And if you don't speak up for yourself, if you're not your best advocate, who is going to be? Yeah, you got to be honest. You got to be honest and true to yourself there. And I knew like I have a why. It's long-term. It's long-term. It's long-term health and being able to pack elk out of the mountains and feel good and move well and be strong and not have my body hold me back. So it wasn't necessary for me to do muscle-ups to do those things. Probably not. Is it something I certainly like to do because I like to exercise all that coordination and full range of motion? It's a very dynamic movement. 
yeah, it's awesome. But is it necessary to pack an elk out of the mountains? Probably not. So I kept that as my underlying why and just scaled my way up, did the exercises and progressed through them. And long story short, my shoulder is now more healthy, more stable than it's ever been. And as a bonus fact, the exact part of my scapula that was weak with like lower trap, like right where the bottom of the scapula squeezes together, exactly how you want to shoot a back tension release. That was where I was very, very weak. And now when I shoot my bow, I don't have a ton of longevity because those muscles are still strengthening. It's literally taken me like two years for those back muscles to like bring the scapula down and in and strengthen to a point where I don't have this deep, weird soreness. I had a deep, crazy soreness. You know, like you do certain things, your hamstrings are sore, your biceps are sore. It wasn't like any of that. It was just this strange, deep soreness where I just had a weakness. And yeah, but fast forward to now, it's awesome. My shoulder's more stable than it's ever been. I can do a one-hand handstand. And I'm just much more stable overhead. And as I shoot my bow, I can feel those muscles. And I couldn't feel those before. So I think it, it's going to be dual-pronged where it's helped me put my shoulders into better positioning. But it's also made me aware of how I should shoot my bow. Well, speaking of shooting your bow, when you decided to approach me to like officially say, hey, I want to weasel my way into your <laughs> YouTube channel and help you. And you, I was like, like you said earlier, like, all for it. Like I need help. I'm not, that's my strength. is not that, but I, I'm consistent. It's just not what I want it to be either. You were like, okay, well let's, let's come up with some ideas for some series, some videos. Let's figure out your audience. And I want to kind of finish this podcast talking about our YouTube growth and what we've done. You said, Dan, I, I'm from outside looking in, I've been around you for almost a year. Here's what I've recognized. Like you're kind of psycho. You you shoot almost every day of the year. You work out five days a week minimum. You are always tinkering with your bow setup. Like it's literally never like it's your bows. Like you have a press, you have a drawboard. You're always messing with your arrows, and I just see that you're always e scouting. He's like, dude, you literally need a a series called. 365 prep because it looks like you're always prepping for elk hunting every day of the year, which I didn't know you could do. Uh, and I was like, okay. And then we just slowly started there with some backfield content on fitness and some of our hunts. But we've noticed that what people really like to see is the process behind the scenes of what really makes somebody consistently successful on public land. And I got to tell you guys, there's no guarantees. Like I can't guarantee you I'm going to punch any of my oak tags this year. The slate's wiped clean and I'm, I just live a paranoid life of every day I wake up thinking about what can I do to make a difference now for when the season finally gets here. All that, that's a long segue, but all that is to say like take us through your journey of coming into Elk Shape YouTube channel and helping it more than double in subscribers and increase our quality of content and the storytelling. Yeah, so let's dive in on storytelling because I think once, I don't know, if you guys get to hang out with Dan for a little bit, Dan also is very good with ideas. Like you have a lot of ideas. It's awesome. But if you give me 10 ideas, there are probably like 10 different ideas that are all over the place. Yeah. So I basically came in and was like, hey, let's kind of just narrow the focus. Let's figure out the Let's figure out the crowd. Let's try new stuff, but let's figure out the crowd and narrow the focus. And just tell a tell a cleaner story. Let people get to know you more. 
And that's kind of what we've done. We figured out the crowd really digs archery. Surprise, surprise, some of the biggest some of the biggest videos over time are archery, but we learned that they like that. They like the tinkering. The cr- Shout out to the YouTube crowd. You guys have been really awesome. They like the tinkering. They like archery. They like, and one thing that's been cool is they've embraced kind of a new style of video. We definitely have, uh, call it a new style, what you want. It's my editing style that's been imparted onto the channel. We like slow-mo. We like showing that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's about, it's YouTube. It's like helping you and us connect with the community and just share the journey, share the process. But it's no longer like, okay, we're going to make a video about my dirt bike this week. And next week, we're going to make a video about scouting elk. We kind of put the blinders on. We're telling the story about 365 prep, which is about year-round preparation. I kind of joked at the end in the beginning, like, we're either going to prove or disprove that you actually do this. And the, the jig is up. He actually prepares for elk, like, January 1st, February 1st, March 1st. You get it. That's what's on his mind. He's doing something in the name of elk hunting. It's not a show. It's not a facade. And we're just trying to help people encourage hard work inspire hard work and that's why it's been so just easy to connect with the community and they've kind of embraced my editing style got a lot of really positive comments about the stuff we do and yeah yeah. it's always uh we get a lot of comments on every youtube video now and a lot of them are just super grateful for the effort that they can tell that the effort's there which is the only thing i'm good at is trying hard and they can tell that somebody else has stepped in to help elevate the production quality that's you and the storytelling which has been exciting um let's talk about the the schedule what we're thinking about doing for the next year let's kind of do a forecast and let's even talk about some of the sucky things about aggressively trying to hit thirty thousand subscribers in a year that's right we started out with i think just around eight or nine when tim got on board we're getting close to the 17 mark here shortly when this airs, we're, we're trying to get to 30. And it's not like we're trying to make a living off YouTube. It's certainly if you, I mean, let's just go full disclosure. Like the most we've ever made in a month off YouTube is literally like not even, I don't know, five to 600 bucks tops. And I don't feel like I'm embarrassed to say that because that's not the business model. That's not like, hey, let's become YouTubers. You know what I mean? It's uh, let's make good stuff let's grow an audience let's build a community so i feel like our ethics are there like our intentions are good but there's some bad to it man like you know how busy you are you're self-employed golf instructor you own your own shop your leases you got a lease that's due every month you have two dogs you love to hunt and then you got like we kind of always have this pressure of like okay well because we're trying to produce two videos a week and that was one of the first things you did was like you set it up and like I want videos to drop on the same day every week so our audience can count on us. Why did you do that? Because that's just me getting to that's me and my knowing myself being like I need to work with deadlines. I work best with deadlines. I learn best by throwing myself in the deep end. And we started, I don't know if you remember this, but we started with three videos a week. Yeah, I hate you. And we quickly learned that, you know, at the time might have been sustainable, but we pulled back to two, which is pretty sustainable but it still takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of planning and i've always just wanted to make one video where we go okay here's all the steps here is the planning 
here is the coordination, here is setting up the cameras, here is getting the visuals, here is the editing, here is the publishing, here is the YouTube thumbnail. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. Like you said, we're doing it because we care about the community, really. We want to grow it. We want to inspire hard work. But we've always been transparent. And hopefully that's why people relate with us. It's certainly not for the money, but it's because it's a really cool crowd of people. And the more people we reach, the more we can reach with that message that like, hey, if you go out and put in the hard work, if you're the type of person that wants to prepare, you can fill your you can fill your freezer. Yeah. And really, you're looking at trying to coordinate two adults on the same schedule. You know, there are a lot of times where we'll we'll sit down and plan out months in advance on ideas that we want to do or actual videos we want to make and then a lot of times we pivot on what our community tells us and we're real sensitive to what they're thinking um the numbers behind a video if it pops um a lot of times i think we make a video that's i think one of my favorites like the september video and it doesn't get very many views and that's okay I love that video whereas and then the, you we make a video on the fly like how to fix a peep twist like your peep is twisting here's an easy video on how to fix that on your own without going to the bow shop that video crushes and we shot it in like seven minutes and the edit was fast so it's funny trying to figure out algorithms and people and there's always poopy comments but there's always great comments and no matter what video we make There'll always be one guy or gal who gives us a thumbs down. I think for no apparent reason. And it's like in the first twenty-five. It's like in the first twenty minutes. Like someone hops on there. It's probably like an Aaron Snyder from Kafaro. He's like, oh, I got Dan again. Thumbs down. Yeah. You know what I mean. I don't know who it is, but man, it doesn't. It doesn't fade us because we know that our formula is going to be honesty, transparency, and I think that's been my formula for Elk Shape from the get-go. Is like. I want to be the same person you see on social media that you would meet in real life. Like, is he really like, yeah, that's, 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 that's what you're going to get. And it's been fun to bring someone else into the channel, another personality. And we're doing more and more videos with you too, because you have a story, dude. Like you're still, you know, working your butt off to kill public land elk. You're still trying to learn how to make even better production and you're still having to try to manage me, which is hard to do <laughs> quite honestly. Um, so where do you think this channel is going to go from here? What do you think we're going to work on? Man, we're going to work on just telling the story of adventure and hard work and how preparation will help separate yourself from the crowd. We're going to continue to talk about the things we do. You know, that's kind of like the flex in our schedule is, you know, Dan has a visit at Matthew's next week. So why wouldn't he make a video while he's there? But then we plan stuff too, like, hey, this fall, this fall, we're going to do it a little different. We're going to make, it's going to feel like a film style series, but it's going to be day by day. And we're going to get, you guys are going to get to come along with Dan while he hunts and hopefully me while I hunt. And you got a lot of elk tags, but to capstone that stuff, we're also going to make a film for each. I don't know if it's going to be one massive capstone film or maybe a film from each hunt. Because there's definitely two audiences. There's an audience that likes to come along with you for the hunt. And then there's an audience that likes to just see the business end of it. And we want to and we want to show all that stuff. And yeah. yeah and it, we want to show it in a way that 
it actually happened. And hopefully we can capture some of the raw emotion because friends, if you've not elk hunted much in your life, here's what I can guarantee you. At some point in your hunt, you will be punched in the chin. I don't know what it will be. It'll be your bowstring will come off. Your peep will come out. The wind will swirl when you finally are in tight on a bugling screaming bull or you'll get in a argument with another fellow public land hunter over where you're going or somebody will get homesick in your team and or you will hunt with a team and someone will be selfish or you'll hunt with someone and they'll slow you down or you'll slow them down um adversity would probably be the word like expect adversity whether it be you can't find an elk to save your life or you can't even buy a bugle uh every hunt has like i always just laugh because i know like i'm going to three different states this year and it's just going to be like okay well what's the shit show going to be this year like something will happen and how will we adapt how will we overcome and get back on track i keep waiting for the hunt when you show up and it's like day one and you go out and arrow something oh yeah have you had that hunt yet um yes but i mean not as many as the ones that are the bot. I have more bottom of the ninths, like our South Dakota hunt we did together, where it's just like it all comes together at the end, and it's a whole week of trials and tribulations and making it small adjustments each and every day until finally you can cinch the noose. And I like those hunts the best, anyways. They're super fun, man. If we can show that on the YouTube channel this year, as far as just kind of bring people along for the ride. And not just highlight reels, but ups and downs and just more real, authentic stuff. I think that's better. I'm sure there'll be some people that just want to see highlight reels and that's cool. But the good news is there's already those out there. You can find those. Ours are going to be a little more like, this is really how it went down. This is, yeah, I really like, if there's misses, there's misses. If there's wounding, which I hope not, I pray not, there's, we show it the truth, if you will. And that's not like an in you, uh, that's not a play on words for the primos truth. I'm talking the public land blue collar truth. It's the public land hustle, man. Maybe that's what we'll call it. Yeah. The public land hustle because it can certainly be done, but it's just, is it ever easy? I don't want it to be. And no, it's not. Uh, well guys, I wanted to get Tim on here. I wanted to get people excited about filming their own hunts, possibly growing their own channels or platforms give some inside information on what we are doing, get to know Tim better because I'm around him a ton. He's a good friend of mine. He's a hard worker. He's a fellow hustler. Uh, Tim, you have a couple places that we need to plug. Uh, you have your own YouTube channel. You have an Instagram account. Uh, any local golfers need ha- have a bad slice, they need to come see you, <laughs> things like that. Where are you out there on the socials and all the platforms? Yeah, so my personal life is at underscore Tim Connor on Instagram or Tim Connor on YouTube. That's my favorite Instagram account you have. Yeah, that's just behind the scenes of what I do, what I'm into. And YouTube, I drone stuff, take you along for a hike. It's my life. It's kind of, uh, I look at it as a little bit of my journal. Um, I'm a golf coach. I own a business in Spokane Valley. And I help people fix their slice. I joke that I'm a professional slice fixer. But really what I do is help people work towards their goals. I help give them an outline. I'm there to be their support. And that is the TC Golf Academy in Spokane Valley, Washington. So for the golfers out there, we could have an opportunity to work together. Awesome, man. Um, Guys, 
Give Tim a follow. That's underscore Tim Connor on Instagram. He posts some really cool stuff, and he's consistent. Uh, you'll see him on our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed already, you should do that. We are crushing it, and we are busting our butts. And I hope that you guys are kicking butt this podcast. I mean, it's, gosh, it's mid-August. Some of you in Utah are already out. But the rest of us are like in our last two-week crunch, so make sure that you get all your bills paid. You make sure that your emails are set to reply and auto-reply and that you are limited access on phones and and just cherish the time that's coming up where you get to be in Mother Nature. Hopefully, you get some self-reflection. Hopefully, you get far from all the distractions of this hustle-bustle busy life and get to spend some time with the creator and his creation with some good family and friends and grow those bonds. And most importantly, at the end of the day, fill that freezer with hard-earned public land elk meat. Remember, separation is in the preparation, and we'll catch you on the next one. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Tim is a really solid dude. Give him a follow on Instagram. It's underscore Tim Connor. And uh, just know that he's the guy that's helped me out with the YouTube channel. Uh, he's just a fellow hardworking public land elk hunter. And uh, if you guys want somebody to be on this podcast, it's better to nominate somebody versus have them reach out to me and say, hey, I should be on your podcast. So if you know somebody who flies under the radar or is extremely hardworking, blue collar, successful public land elk hunter and wants to share their best practices, that this would be a good platform for them to come on and everyone to learn their story. So keep working hard in the name of elk hunting. Keep grinding every day. And then remember, September's finite. Don't squander a second, work hard, put your best foot forward and uh, keep your chin up because you know, you're gonna get punched like we said in the podcast and how you respond is everything. Expect adversity and when it shows up, know how to respond. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Separation is in the preparation.